Hello, and this is episode three of Jason's Journal, a podcast uh, talking about my experiences uh, dealing with autism and how it's uh, affected my life as I have been diagnosed with Asperger's Syndrome since uh, 1995, and it's uh, been an up and down kind of scenario throughout my whole life. And uh, we're not going to talk too much about autism on this uh, podcast. It does play somewhat of a role, but at the same time, uh, we're going to talk about something that's you know pretty personal because it's a good kind of personal because it's about music. Uh, I figured the leadoff track would be uh, for today's uh, episode. Listen to the music by the Doobie Brothers would be quite fitting because we're going to talk about my personal journey with music because I think like your favorite TV shows and your favorite movies from when you were a kid. I think there's uh, like something to be said for tracking how things went down with your favorite music from when you were a kid or the music that you were exposed to from when you were a kid and how it affects you to this day. And we're going to talk about that today. There will be some critiquing of music. Uh, I don't think this is going to be a whole um, music review podcast thing. I'm not really qualified to do that, and you know, and because music is uh, pretty subjective for me on uh, which, uh, what day am I feeling it, um, who's doing it and stuff like that and i can't it's a pretty complex subject and you know i'm gonna save uh, the music review for people who uh, have a knack for this i don't have i don't think i have a too much of a knack for it but i do want to make a shout out to a friend of mine bernie he has his own podcast called random album rankings that's random r-a-n-d-u-m-b that's how he spells it and he goes through the top albums of a certain artist my favorite episode so far is one of the dire straits that he did and um well anyway i just uh, want to make that shout out to mr bernie and i'll just let you know this is not going to be too much of a music review but rather how music has affected me and what i've been through with music and uh let's start of how i was introduced to music because that's how we're all in, uh, we're all introduced to music by the music we were exposed to when we were growing up. And for me, it was by my mom as um, we listened to the radio. And I'll touch on that in just a moment. But we also had CDs, you know, growing up in the 90s. CDs were big. And my mom didn't have too many CDs of, you know, like top 40 people or any top 40 people. She had some CDs of country music artists, which I'll touch on in just a moment. But what's the most notable of my experience with music and you know my my mom is that she loves Disney music she loves Disney movies and she loves the songs from Disney and there was a volume of uh, CDs from uh, the Disney company that they released uh, they were all color coded uh, each volume and I can remember the um, the order in which uh, volume came first it was red first and then blue green or uh, purple and orange and it just had all the. It had a lot of great songs, you know, all the all the famous ones, you know, like uh, a whole new world under the sea, stuff like that, and also some songs from movies that I either never seen before to this day or would have to wait until I was adult to see. And one of my favorite songs on that Disney CD, um, it was from the blue one, and it was from the movie Pete's Dragon, and it was sung by the late great Helen Reddy. It was called candle on the water and it was a i didn't get to see that movie until later in life but it was just a beautiful song about undying love and and stuff like that and you know 
it really got me uh, introduced to music, those Disney CDs. And then came country music, and we listened to country music all the time on the radio. My mom had a few CDs of uh, the artists she liked, uh, specifically if they had um, uh, some big radio hits she loved, like Pam Tillis, which I'll touch on in just a moment, and a lot of female singers uh, from back in the day in the 90s. I listened to all that uh, 90s music. I noticed there's a, there's a trend. I'll touch on this right now that there's a trend. There there were a lot more 90s uh, artists, a lot more female singers releasing singles back in the 90s, uh, music singles, than I see nowadays uh, working in 2021 on the radio station. Not saying there's no female artists on radio now. There are, but it seems to be very male slanted. And this is also not an indictment of saying, oh, music today is terrible. It's not. I mean, there are going to be top 40 hits of any genre that are just going to make me cringe because I'm just like, ugh, this is terrible. And that's the true from today, and it was true back in the 60s and 70s. I also work on an oldies radio station. Some of these top uh, big hit songs that we play for some of our listeners are just like, ugh, why do people like this? But... You know, and then there's some great ones that come out nowadays too. And doesn't and you know this is from a male artist, uh, Parker McCollum's "Pretty Hard," a really heartfelt song, and I I've come to enjoy it. Also, some um, artists like Cam and Burning House and Mayday. Uh, speaking of a female country artist, and uh, I play that every so often. And I don't, and I'll touch on uh, how I deal with the radio and music a little bit later on in this episode. But uh, okay, so I was introduced to, uh, then I had the radio. I had all this '90s music, you know, just not just the female artists, but like Brooks and Dunn, uh, Alabama's uh, for some parts of it, as well as Lone Star, Tim McGraw. All these uh, great country music artists, so I had to listen to that. That's how I got, uh, you know, introduced to music. And then came along Pam Tillis's Sweetheart's Dance. It's a CD that my mom bought, and I remember listening to it a little bit when I was a kid. And then, you know, I was uh, a few years later back in middle school. I was, you know, pretty bored looking for some music, and then I pulled out Sweetheart's Dance. I listened to it so much, so much, and really made me appreciate. Not just Pam Tillis, but female artists, because I think uh, female artists are, you know, they're sometimes overlooked when it comes uh, by, you know, you know, music buffs, music critics. I actually know a couple of acquaintances in the past who were like, I don't like female singers, I like male singers. It's like, dude, you're missing out. And so, uh, you know, that's uh, a lot of my uh, playlists on Spotify now is a female artist. They even have a separate playlist for Miss Pam Tillis and those uh, a couple of albums that she released that my mom had uh, because I, I, I do love those songs. Anyway, and then there was uh, the Pop Top 40, and we didn't have any Pop Top 40 uh, music from my mom. My brothers and sisters and even me got a few CDs every now and then, but uh, mainly our... Uh, dive into t- uh, top 40 pop, you know, artists like uh, Britney Spears or Matchbox 20, artists that you can debate with people about you know, what was the best song or best group of the 90s. Well, I had to get that through the radio as well because um, we had to get, we did have a top 40 station in Wilmer called Q102. And, um, well, most of the time I couldn't uh, listen to it outside the school bus if the bus driver was playing it 
Uh, we sometimes listened to it when mom wasn't home, but otherwise uh, we didn't have CDs at home to play that. So I was growing up lots of country music, lots of Disney music at home. And, you know, that's uh, how it affected me. But not a lot of, you know, oldies pop music, you know, like uh, stuff from the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, you know, stuff were from when my mom was around. We didn't have that at home for some reason. So I had to listen to a lot of the oldie songs that I love, the classic rock songs that I love nowadays. I had to listen. I had to discover that now at my job, you know, some of these new ones, especially with the format changes. Uh, has been changing and we've been introducing more rocker rockier songs and more songs from the 80s and the 90s and stuff like that so that's uh didn't have that around when i was a kid so we didn't have any foreigner cds or uh, eagle cds or anything like that and then yeah, through all, all of this there was singing we were all uh i was singing at home a lot and you know people are critic uh, everybody's a critic when it comes to singing and that was the case with my brother, and he would not like me singing. You know, I probably didn't like him singing, but and he would say he did say something that kind of stuck with me. It's kind of cruel, but it did stick with me about you know singing in public. It's called "You should sing solo, solo. Nobody ever hears you," which is cruel. But actually, he kind of it, he was kind of proven right years later when. You know, dealing with uh, some co-workers over the years, people I know over the years, and even people in public, you know, singing pretty uh, happily or even pretty drunkily out at a, like a party or something, and they start singing, and you're just like, yeah, you should not quit your day job or anything like that, because, you know, uh, there are people that their singing just is just gets on your nerves, and I, I understand, I understood now what my brother was trying to say about, you know, not singing in public. I do sing, just not in public so much. And if I do, I don't, you know, put it on full blast. I kind of do it in a more mocking tone or not mocking tone, like half-heartedly, you know, and especially if I'm just trying to be funny. Hey, by the way, hearing me singing, you'll get a special prize at the end of this episode if you continue listening. I, I recorded a segment uh, not too long ago about the whole sea shanty craze on TikTok, or TikTok. I read about it on the air, and I will play that file for you at the end of this episode. Anyway, uh, also, this is not an indictment of my brother's um, personality or anything like that. You know, uh, brothers back in the day, we fought all the time. Me and him, brothers throughout the world, we all picked on each other. And now we have something uh, about music that I want to share, that I, I want to share about me and my brother that was pretty funny. It was from March of last year, and I was trying to do an earworm war with him on uh, text, which I would text these lyrics from a song that he considered to be an earworm song, you know, a song that gets kind of stuck in your head, and it just goes like, ah, earworm, and... Well, the song was meant to be an earworm. It's uh, by Hook. It's uh, the song is called Hook by Blues Traveler, because uh, in the song, cause the hook brings you back. I ain't telling you no lie. Well, I texted him that uh, that to him, and then he replied, "Sweet dreams are made of screams. How are we to disagree?" And, you know, he altered the lyrics to Sweet Dreams Are Made of This by uh, Eurythmics, and I texted him back, that's not the lyrics, Adam. And he texted me back, they are now. 
Now, this is funny because I was, it was late, uh, it was like 10 o'clock at night, I was at the station, I was on the air, and I was uh, texting him while I was talking, because I can do that, it's pretty easy to do, and then when I saw that message, uh, that message pop up when he said, they are now, I texted him back, I actually chuckled because it made me laugh a little bit, and I had to suppress, uh, suppress that when I was on the air, so I texted him back, you actually made me chuckle with uh, on the air when the message popped up dick and then he text, texted me back <laughs> so uh you know me and my brother's uh, relationship with music our uh, dialogue about music it it's evolved over the years so don't let that that little story about the so- singing solo thing uh spoil your opinion about that we're just kids yeah uh, anyway now let's get back into the music and then, uh, you know, listen to the radio, listen to CDs, uh, whatever CDs came along. Well, uh, my music, uh, listening to new music, changed a lot with the advent of iTunes. And do you remember that time when iTunes teamed up with Pepsi and they would have uh, songs, uh, they would have uh, codes on the caps that you can redeem for a, f- a free song on iTunes and I would just try my best to find some of these caps so I can, you know, pick up as many songs as I can. And then with iTunes coming along, you can make your own playlists and then burn your own CDs, blank CDs. I can't talk about music in the 2000s without talking about blank CDs. Everybody I know has made a blank CD of, of their favorite songs. And I think blank CDs, you know, um, they're getting um, they're getting replaced by Spotify and streaming, but I think there's still going to be a market for blank CDs. After all, uh, not everybody's going to have um, FM transmitters. Not everybody's going to have their own streaming accounts. So you got to make your own custom CDs. And actually, here at uh, my station that I work at, we still have to do blank CDs because we record high school games and people want to listen to that. And also because the car I'm driving does. For a while, well, the CD until the CD player was broken, I didn't have a an FM transmitter, so I had to use that, you know. And because I have access to all this equipment, uh, recording equipment, in which I could manipulate uh, CD file uh, song files on CDs, uh, I could not only record songs or you know put songs on the CD, I can also put in sound files like some of my old commercials that I love to make uh, that I made that I loved and I just listened to that you know just a little breaker in the CD or I can even record me talking and then put that on there and I actually did that for a Christmas gift a few years back for my family made a custom CD with not only songs and commercials but also some of the sound files that I recorded anyway and blank CDs my point is blank CDs are not going away anytime soon but um, at the same time, they are quite a nostalgia trip. Anyway, then this leads to my first iPod, and I'm talking about not the iPods, you know, that are basically like iPhones minus the cellular service. I'm talking about iPods, you know, where they just played the music, and I'm not saying that I wish that that was the case now, or, you know, like, oh, I wish my iPod was like that back in the day, all good. Uh, because obviously you're missing out when you get uh, when you don't apply for, or don't get for or don't try to get some new stuff. Anyway, I loved getting that iPod, even though I was at the time I was like, oh, I want to listen to blank CD. I want to listen to my CDs on my CD player. And then I realized, well, iPods don't skip, so I'm gonna get an iPod. And I went through a couple of them because 
even though I had some of those protective casings on them, they would still break because I would drop them. Uh, that's uh, typical me, typical klutz, that is, for me. And then came along Spotify. And I was never into Pandora, uh, the you know the streaming radio service. I don't like that because, you know, if I want to listen to the radio, I'll just listen to the radio. Also, I loved iTunes because you can, you know, play songs over and over again. You can make your own little custom playlist. But when Spotify came along, my first thought was, hey, Spotify is basically if iTunes and Pandora had a baby. Yeah, because it does have its own radio feature. It does have its own, uh, you know, uh, you can make your own playlist in Spotify. And so I, uh, like many people, I did the whole free uh, version of Spotify. Didn't care for all those commercials. And in fact, care for the fact that I was locked out of so many of, the fe- uh, so many of those features. And since I started up Spotify, it has been consistently one of my top priorities in my budget. Got to have Spotify because I listen to a lot of it. In fact, I'm still on Spotify. Um, I was just playing Spotify right before I got this podcast, uh, uh, this episode up and recording. And if you're ever on my Spotify account, you notice this was leading into my next topic is records, uh, albums. It's You will see a lot of playlists and you will see numbers and next to it an artist and the title track to the album this leads me into my next subject when it came to my journey with music is evaluating albums because it was uh right after i graduated college it was in 2012 and i was um you know looking for new music and uh one of the first uh, albums uh, outside of pam tillis that i ever really listened to in depth was Late for the Sky by Jackson Brown, also his album, The Pretender. And I read up on them on Wikipedia, and, and I found out that it, they were on this list called Rolling Stone Magazine's Top 500 Albums List. He has another album on that list as well. Very great albums. I uh, love Jackson Brown. Soft, uh, big place in my heart for him, in my uh, music heart, that is. And so I found out about this list, about uh, what, at the time, this list released in 2003, what they consider the top 500 albums of all time. And I'm just like, whoa, there's so many great albums, you know, and then I'm like, well, I didn't say, oh, there's so many great albums right away. I had to go and listen to them. And I'm like, hmm, this list is pretty legit. And over the years, they updated the list. I think they made a 2012 list. They just made a 2020 list. And by doing that, they had to cut out some of the older albums from 2003 or even move other ones up. So the rankings got all out of whack. So I stick to the 2003 listing for the album list. I'm like, dude, if you're going to, uh, guys, if you're going to add new albums to the list, why not add it to a separate list? Say the next top 500 albums or something like that. But. Anyway, I I do follow the 2003 list very closely with a few caveats. I mean, it's not perfect. It's not a perfect list. There are artists on that list that I can't stand and I think don't deserve to be on the list. And, you know, that's the big caveat about me following the 2003 list. I'm not going to be saying I'm uh, an originalist, so to speak, a very uh, traditional about this. But, you know, that's just how I... Uh, feel about that uh, top 500 list and which I even mention about on my radio show as well if I play a song from a certain album on that list I will say and from that album you know 
always I would accompany that on my uh, radio show. But anyway, um, because I dived into the top 500 list, I got to listen to a lot of artists that I wasn't used to listening to. Heavy metal, um, rock, uh, kraut rock in the form of craft work, or new wave music, or even rap music, because they do have a few rap albums on that list, and some country artists as well. And there's just... I've learned so much from this list, and you know, it's also made me appreciate the the value of music that's you know not released on the radio, album music or deep cuts, as some people will call them. And I do play deep cuts on my own radio list because uh, I actually this leads into my next segment. I actually at my station utilize my own Spotify account to play music that our uh, radio station computers don't have. You know because they're not going to have all of the big top hits from back in the day. And sometimes you have to go find them on YouTube, or in my case, I pull up on Spotify and just play songs like that. And even if it's a, I even play songs, you know, that maybe they have it in the computer, but it's the, you know, the radio cut of it, and it's just, you know, shortened up or something like that. They tweak it to make it more radio-friendly, and I'm like, no, we're going to... I'm I'm gonna play the album cut as much as I can, unless there's like you know obvious obscenities. I can't do that, or if uh, if it runs way too long, I can't do that. But you know that's just how my philosophy on you know playing songs at the radio station with the records and Spotify is. And I even had a segment for quite a long time where I would play these deep cuts. And I would try to find some more information about it. I still play deep cuts now, but because our format has uh, changed uh, in uh, the last year or so, and because I've been tackling on new responsibilities, I haven't had time to really go into that uh, segment, which I called Treasure Hunt, which was at work, where I got to share, uh, you know, where I got to play those songs, you know, those songs that didn't get a lot of airtime or any airtime at all. And. Um, I don't have time to do that right now anymore, but I do try to squeeze in as many deep cuts as I want. You know, songs, you know, from uh, albums and songs that don't get a lot of airplay anymore and or any airplay at all. And so I play them on the, the radio on my oldie station or and also on my country station. You know, I tweak it a little bit so I don't have to play uh, the same certain songs over and over again. I know it's a top 40 station, but... Um, sometimes I would play a song from a, a country artist from the 90s or maybe the late 80s or early 2000s, something like that. And I'm not saying that uh, the the playlist at the radio station comes out, you know, automatically all top 40 artists. They do have a few country artists from back in the day, but one of the older formats is that they would play the same old country songs, the same ones like... Born Country from Alan Jackson. I saw that play that song every day. I'm like, no, we're going to play songs. Uh, we're going to play some Alan Jackson songs, but we're going to play some other ones and some other ones that were big hits for him because that's my philosophy, uh, you know, with art, uh, with music. I mean, this uh, pop music and the radio business is because, you know, there's there's been like 50, 60 years of pop songs. We can't play the same ones every day. And I'm sure the art... Uh, uh, my boss, uh, my boss would say, "Well, we're playing it because people are familiar with those songs." I'm like, 
probably familiar with these songs too. I'm not like pulling these songs, you know, out of thin air or out of my butt and saying, hey, listen to this. No, I'm playing some of these songs from the, you know, the same artists, you know, that were big hits back in the day too. Because if you look back, they were like top five hits. They were top 10 hits, but they were, you know, just different songs from the same artists, you know? And I think that's, um, you know, working in the music, uh, not the music industry, the radio industry, I think it's really given me a lot more flexibility of how I approach music nowadays. Because I used to be, now, got to tie into autism, I used to be very, very um, OCD about my music. I would either play a certain song way too many times, back and forth on repeat, or I would skip over a song, you know, just um, without even... Um, you know, thinking, I just, on the CD, I just go, eh, I don't want to listen to this, you know, I don't want to listen to that, or something like that, or I would, well, for one album I had on my uh, iTunes account, because they kept track of how many times you played that song, I would make sure for that one album that they would all be played exactly the same amount of times uh, for that whole album, and I did that for a while, stopped doing that, because, you know, it's... It's just about the music. It's not supposed to be about some sort of, you know, the game plan or something like that, you know? But anyway, yeah. Yeah, it's been crazy, you know. You get in, I started out, you know, being um, very, I wouldn't say sheltered, but very, had a limited access to certain, uh, to most kinds of music growing up. And then technology came along. And then, Working in an industry that's relying on music, that really uh, broadens your horizons. And I think it's, you know, impacted me to this day that, you know, because I'm opening myself up to all these new things in music than, than what I was used to as a kid. Well, now I'm opening myself up in more ways than that. And I think it's, um, I think that's just the power of music. It's just the power of like the, it's just like the power of going to a new place and visiting new places. You know, you start to see things from a different angle. You know, and that was the same with music. And uh, you know, whether it be on the radio, whether uh, in my car, whether it be Spotify or blank CDs or something like that, or CDs you buy at the store, I think uh, the way you get music uh, can affect how you uh, can. Uh, you know, modify your world, how do you access your world, and um, by the way, the one th there was a downside to finding out about these records, because it, it just goes to show you, you know, when I was growing up, I thought, oh, you know, I want to finish this on this uh, episode, on this uh, segment, you know, music's purely subjective, you know, you like what you like, doesn't mean everybody's going to like the same thing you do, and um you know, I started getting that uh, pretty early on, but then I really started getting it uh, when I started, you know, going through all these records, all these albums on that list I told you. And then I came across music critics. And even though if an album was pretty well acclaimed, there will always be some music critic that makes some snarky comment and stuff like that. And or they would say, oh, I hate this kind of music, even though I love this kind of music. And I was just like, what are you talking about, man? And I gotta make one dishonorable mention, uh, Robert Christgau, because uh, he's a he's a longtime music critic for the Village Voice um, magazine, and he's well known for being a 
rather pompous. He calls himself the Dean of American Rock Critics. And, you know, uh, when I was reading up on those Jackson Brown albums I was telling you about and how he was just giving out all these all this condescending, uh, review, these condescending reviews, even if he gave them pretty high marks, you could just give these condescending reviews. It just hits close to home that, hey, I may, I love this music. Not everybody's going to get it, but, um, and it's even going to bring me to the point where I'm going to just get really mad if somebody talks about it in a negative way. But in the end, I realized that Hey, I'm not alone that even if we don't have the same taste in music, my friend, uh, certain friends, including Mr. Bernie, that I was talking about on the random album rankings, well, he said, well, Kreisgau's a jerk too, Robert Kreisgau, that is. And so he'd be like, hey, we may not have exactly the same taste in music um, because he's listened to a lot more music than I have, so he can probably teach me a few things about that. But... It just goes to show you that there is a there the, the the personal journey you have with music can also be uh, you can also tag people along with too you know for better or for worse you know for love or hatred of certain types of music you know and uh, I know I've kind of ended this episode on a little bit of a rambling but you know that's just the way it is sometimes you know it's not a it's not a clear cut path to uh, a message about music it's just you know just it, it just happens it it just uh it hits you just like that anyway well thanks for listening to this episode and as promised i will talk about the tiktok sea shanty craze because in this segment that i recorded from earlier on my radio station because you've been such a great audience and so Let's hear about me talking about sea shanties. That's Sugarland and already gone. A Neo 95 Civic KKOK online at KMRSKKOK.com. Oh, there once was a tune that tickled the internet's fancy. When TikTok retrieved the humble sea shanty, the views came fast, the fad could last. Go read about it. Go. <laughs> As people are stuck at home, toiling away, getting bored, going stir-crazy, well, cooped-up sailors who felt the same way on long ocean journeys broke up the tedium with work songs called Sea Shanties, which was provided to me. I did not write that one. Uh, this is what the Associated Press gave me to lead the story off. Anyway, it only makes sense then that shanties have come full circle with a moment of unprecedented popularity during the pandemic. And according to Bennett Kanasny of Belfast, Maine, who started singing sea shanties aboard a schooner in Penascot Bay and performed several times a week with the Mighty Work Song Community Chorus, well, he said times are tough. If we can sing, it'll help us get it through it, just like the sailors did on the tall ships. And TikTok helped sea shanties surge back into the mainstream, as the app has a duet feature that lets people create a 60-second song and that allow others to add their voices. And people began using the feature to record sea shanties, and shanting quickly became a mainstream thing starting last month. And the shanty talk movement has even contributed to a rendition by the Longest Johns, the centuries-old Wellerman sailing into the UK's top 40 chart and another version by Nathan Evans with a driving beat reached number two at midweek 
and the sudden popularity is not so hard to fathom. After all, people are craving interaction during the pandemic, and shanties are group efforts that don't require great singing skills, like yours truly, though some of the TikToks are quite sophisticated and elaborate. Shanties and sea songs are lumped together in the trend, but true shanties were work songs as sailors of yours sang to pass the time and coordinate their efforts in hoisting sails and anchors and manning the bilge pumps. And the shanties uh, helped sailors diffuse tension and remain sane amid the cruelty of isolation and cramped quarters. And some uh, shanties sometimes involve good nature insults at skippers or the shipping companies that employed them. So there you well. As sure you, a lot of you know that shanties have been making a bit of a comeback right there. And that's okay. We'll always have shanties, you know, work songs, you know, work crew songs, you know. And I think, you know, it's pretty cool in this day and age that we could uh, share it and add a new twist to it as well. Especially to keep ourselves sane in these rather crazy times. Eric Church, Josh Turner, and Tim McGraw is coming up next right here on Neo 95.7. KK, okay. All righty, there you go. <laughs> Probably the only time you'll ever hear me do a sea shanty on the radio because I don't think, I don't foresee me doing that in the very near future. Anyway, thanks for listening to this episode. I had a lot of fun on it. I know I was on quite a few tangents sometimes, but hey, that's what music can do. It can, you know, it can just bring back memories. It can make you go down certain paths and. That's just what happened. For better or for worse, that can make you go down certain paths, a certain song, a certain melody. Yeah, that's the power of music, man. Anyway, take care, everybody. I'll try to get you a new episode as soon as I can. Thanks for listening to Jason's Journal.